You're listening to the Various and Sundry Things Podcast, the Vast Podcast. I am your host, Donna Gay Tyler. Hello. That hello sounded like Tabitha Brown, didn't it? Didn't mean to bite her uh her greeting. Hey y'all. I think that's mine. Hey y'all. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> hey, uh Kentucky by way of Chicago. Or how does that go? Chicago by way of Kentucky? I don't know. Anyway, or by way of Lexington, where I live in Kentucky. Anyway, hey y'all. What's up? How y'all doing? Happy Black History Month still to you. Um, today is Saturday. I was gonna say September. I do not even know why I was gonna say it's September. It's not, it's February 25th. We're still in Black History Month. Yeah, it's still February. And um the weather is weird. Is it weird where you live also? It is so strange. Like earlier this week, it was darn near 80 degrees. I'm not kidding. It was like mid 70s. And then just yesterday, um, it was in the 30s <laughs> in the morning. It's just it's just so weird. The weather is just so strange. Um, my life is just, I guess, kind of weird too. I was, um, I've been looking at a number of topics to discuss on uh, the podcast since the last time we talked. Um, one of the things, and some of the things I want, I really didn't want to discuss like a whole bunch of negative uh, ideas or negative news topics and things like that. I think it's, unfortunately, it's the time that we live in too. Uh, there's, there are, that's not to say that so many negative things are, you know, that's all that's being hap- that's happening. I think sometimes it's just what definitely gets a lot of airplay, if you will. Um, it's a lot of what ends up on my radar um, as I, you know, pay attention to social media and to the different um, news apps that I use to curate news from across the United States and I guess in some cases across the world. I was telling my students the other day, it was the one year anniversary, and this isn't a good observance. Again, I'm you know starting with kind of negative news, but it was the one year anniversary observance of the war in Ukraine, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And my students were like, really? I was like, yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, you may have seen um, that President Biden was recently there. Was that last week, I think, um, meeting with uh, Zelensky? Of course, that um, trip had to be kept under wraps for a number of reasons. And then I heard in the news this week also, I'm pretty sure on NPR, that China is in favor of a ceasefire. And I was also trying to explain to my students that, you know, this is how global conflicts start uh, or how they have started in the past, too. Um, you know, our, we are um, allies with Ukraine for a number of reasons, you know, um, one one of the biggest ones being, you know, stability in their region. And then Russia, they're one of their biggest allies, if not their biggest ally, right, is China. And so, you know, everybody's got a dog in the fight and it makes for a very difficult situation, unfortunately. But it's it's crazy to think, you know, that there's, you know, all of this type of stuff going on in different parts in the of the world, you know, as you make your coffee in the morning, like, good morning, students. I'm talking about myself, obviously. Like, hey, how's everybody doing? How was your weekend? It's just, it's, it's so, like, the world is small, but then again, it isn't. You know, like, we're really kind of detached from those types of happenings on other parts of the world. And it kind of makes some of the other titles or topics, rather, that I plan to discuss on this podcast today kind of, like, frivolous, I guess. But again, it's the world that we live in. It's, you know, it's the big and the small. It's the frivolity of it all, you know, incorporated with, um, right along, right next to, aligned with, I don't know if they're necessarily necessarily aligned, but right next to, you know, serious topics, you know, I'm married, you know, next to, you know, kind of less serious topics and 
that kind of thing. But I think that's what you get when you tune in to the best podcast. You get definitely the various and sundry things. I think that's just how my brain works. It's just, you know, all of these tabs open and they're all open to different types of, uh, you know, news and goings on, even on my phone. Do you have a lot of tabs open on the browser on your phone? I was looking for something just now. Okay. I tell myself. So I was looking for the tab I know I had open because I'm tracking a package <laughs> and I'm tired of putting in the tracking number. I'm like, wait, let me just open up the tab. I know where I've already started tracking it. It's already there. And then I realized I had 93 tabs open on the browser on my phone. That's ridiculous. A lot of it is repetition. Um, you know, I keep opening up the same types of tabs, looking for the same type of information. Like I said, I keep tracking this package. And so I have at least five tabs that are open that are tracking the same package, which is why I was like, let me just get smart and go to the tab that's already open. But you know, you know how you do. You just... You don't, you're my, at least, at least me, because I'm older. I don't always look for the shortcut sometimes. I, you know, I just go process, you know, I process step by step by step instead of looking for shortcuts. But that's the whole purpose of a smartphone. It teaches you how to use the shortcuts. Duh. But again, I'm getting old. So that's, that's what's happening here. But anyway, I was like, okay, I need to close some of these tabs because I'm sure this is wearing down my battery, among other things, you know, with my phone. And then, of course, like I said, my phone, I think, mirrors my head or my brain mirrors my phone and mirrors my, my computer and you know all these tabs open with all this information coming in how do i process it i don't know anyway i don't know because <laughs> i'm not processing all of it at the same time but anyway i'm going to process a couple of things that i've been listening to and watching and reading about um on this episode of the vast podcast thanks for tuning in and so let's get right to it a couple of weeks ago there was this concert um a couple of sundays ago big old concert it's, you know, how people are phrasing that. I think that's very clever too. Rihanna had a concert and, you know, it was bookended by some footballs or something, whatever they were doing. You know what I'm talking about, Super Bowl. And Rihanna was the, um, you know, the halftime attraction, the halftime guest, the halftime performer. And of course, the big reveal at her performance, uh, the guest that she brought out was her baby. She's pregnant again. And of course, there have been a number of think pieces and people have dissected this and, Redissected it. I don't know. How do you redissect something? I got to find out the word for that because that sounds like a that would be a cool word, right? To redissect something, something that's been dissected and redissected. There's got to be another term for it besides redissection. But anyway, okay, we passed the coffee. <laughs> but anyway, big, 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 big news. Um, you know, a big money generator for her in terms of her her brands. Um, Fenty. I love her perfume, by the way. You know, shameless plug. That stuff smells incredible, and that's that's the cool thing about perfumes too. They smell different. On, you know, they, you know, they smell differently on everyone. And so you don't have to gatekeep your favorite kind, even though sometimes I do. Um, but it's funny because one of my little sweet students asked me the other day, she gave me a hug. She's like, oh, you smell good. That's always a big compliment. I was like, oh, thank you. She's like, well, you, what are you wearing? I was like, Fenty. She's like, oh my God, I love that brand. So that's pretty cool. Like I said, I don't have to gatekeep that. Um, but anyway, so Rihanna's performance at the Super Bowl, um, a lot of people, and again, this has already been dragged and talked about ad nauseum. So I don't mean to add to, you know, the redundancy here. There was a lot of criticism of her performance because um, I guess people were expecting some type of um, like dance heavy performance from from Rihanna. But as a lot of people pointed out, that's not the type of performer that she is. She's not, you know, she's not going to give you um, and, I, you know, for lack of comparison, um, Beyonce, she's not going to give you Beyonce type performing. Um, you know, Beyonce is quite a, a dancer as well as a singer, but that's just not 
uh, Rihanna's brand in terms of how she, you know, comes across in her concerts. Now, to be fair, also, I've never seen um, Rihanna in a full on concert. I've only seen, you know, like performances, you know, on TV or YouTube and things like that. And also, to be fair, I've never seen Beyonce live in concert, but I have seen um, a couple of her specials. Um, what's the one on Netflix that I can never, Homecoming, I was going to say, I can never remember the name of it. I've watched that a couple of times. That's just quite entertaining. That thing is, that thing is amazing. Amazing. Because, it, you know, it all, for a number of reasons. I already said in the last um, podcast episode that I'm a, an honorary member of the Beehive. So don't come for me. Okay. Leave me alone. Blah. Um, <laughs> I'm wilding out. That's coffee and water, folks. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I think what people's expectations were for Rihanna in terms of what she brings to the table as a performer, just, it's just, I guess you could say it's not fair, but it isn't accurate because that's just not who she is. Um, her 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 songs sounded great, and the visuals were—I mean—to look at it on television, it was stunning. Those platforms moving up up and down—I mean, I'm a sci-fi nerd, so it definitely put me in the mind of some type of sci-fi movie. Um, I'm not a gamer, but it did. It kind of looked like a video game to me a little bit with the platforms moving up and down. Um, and her being stable on those things um, and pregnant. And I, I don't know, I was just thinking all again about the process. Like, how did they do that? How did they rig that? How did they get all that together in however many minutes it takes for them to clear the field and, you know, get everything set up for the halftime performance? That was amazing to me. Um, she had on all red, I believe, and um, her dancers were in white. And it, it just looked, it looked stunning to me. Of course, she looked, she's a beautiful woman. So she looked great. The little moment where she was using her um, Fenty um, uh, powder product, I thought was very clever also. You know, made people go to the website. And then there were a lot of tie-ins with it anyway, leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. I'd seen a lot of advertising um, on social media, you know, in terms of the Fenty makeup brand. Um, like if you buy this, you get some type of little, um, I don't know if it was a bag or some, she had different color lipsticks coming out or lip glosses or lip products or something. I um, saw a lot of that. So I'm sure that that, you know, because I've um, also heard it said, and read in a number of places for a long time now that the halftime performers don't get paid for their performances. But of course, the revenue that they generate for their brands and tours and things like that, or whatever they have that comes, you know, as a result of their performance at the Super Bowl, you know, that's that's their payment. And so some of the percentages that I heard in terms of people like looking up her product and, and she's selling out, you know, not surprising because I'm sure I'm pretty sure that didn't Beyonce do a tour after the Super Bowl? performance that she did a number of years ago. Um, plus, you know, like now, you know, in modern times we do streaming. So the artists, you know, their streaming numbers go up. Um, although I've heard though, um, India Ari talked about this on social media recently, how the artists really make peanuts on um, some of the streaming uh, platforms. Like she was, hers was, uh, her beef was with Spotify. And, you know, she was like, they make, you know, like literally pennies. Um, so if it goes up, you know, if their numbers percentages go up in terms of people streaming their music, that doesn't necessarily mean that the artists are getting a whole, whole lot of money from the streaming platforms. But of course, if they have other products and other, you know, um, you know, product lines, I should say out there, then that, that does definitely help them. And of course, you know, Rihanna's got the makeup, she's got clothing, uh, lingerie, I'm pretty sure I'm missing something, but, um, you know, and then now, now she has a baby on the way. Not that that's a product line. That was awkward. Sorry. Um, which the, so the, you know, like I said, the performance was really cool. I thought it looked great. Um, I don't know all of her music. Um, I, I definitely am a um, self-professed church girl and it's not that I don't listen to other genres of music. I really, I do. Um, and I don't think that's going to send me to hell. So, you know, sorry, we differ on that opinion. I don't know a lot of her music, but I, I am a, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. I think she's, um, I like her attitude more than anything. She kind of like, you know, walks to the beat of her own drum. Definitely. 
Um, she doesn't conform, I don't think, to anyone anyone else's standard, you know, at this stage in her life. She is definitely, you know, uh, living the life that she wants to live and, you know, everybody else's opinion um, really doesn't matter, you know, that it doesn't matter. And I should say that, you know, her name is actually Rihanna. That's um, her middle name. It's Rihanna. I, I saw a clip of that uh, recently. Like, we've been saying it wrong. I guess that's the American Western version of it, but... Um, or U.S., I should say, because she's um, she's part of the Western uh, Hemisphere where she's originally from, Barbados, I believe. But her her middle name is actually pronounced Rihanna, not Rihanna, as we say it. But anyway, she you know she's like it's not a big deal, whatever. Um, but that takes me to the next topic that I wanted to talk about, and that's the Vogue cover, and again um, that she uh, recently did, and again that's been discussed and, and parsed and dissected and redissected on a number of platforms and in magazines and think pieces and a whole bunch of folks um, doing lives about it, going live, I should say, on social media. I just think it's kind of the discussion of it. I think it's just weird. Not that not the not that it's generating, you know, interest because that's what magazine covers are supposed to do. You know, you want to get the magazine, you want to read the article, see what folks on the cover are talking about. That That's not what I'm saying is weird. I think it's the the alignment with this, you know, how this is breaking up the image of the black family discussion. I think that's just, it's, I don't have the proper na uh, non profane terminology. I think right now in my grasp to express how I really feel about that, but to um, use a term that my daughter thinks is kind of a bad word, but we've taught her it's okay if you describe it, if you're using it to describe ideas and not necessarily people. And in this case, and it's an, it's an idea and that word is stupid. Right. And sorry, I know you were waiting for something really uh, profound. Sorry. That's all I got. It's, it's, it's stupid. So if you've seen the Vogue cover, um, the recent Vogue cover, it's uh, it's about Rihanna, Rihanna, Rihanna. You know, she's doing this Super Bowl performance. Um, you know, she's it's her. She's in the spotlight. And um, so the the interview is with her. The cover is the cover story is about her. But, you know, her partner, um, ASAP Rocky, is I'm also on the cover along with her son, their son, um, who is, I don't know what his name is. Have they said what his name is? Um, cute little baby boy um, who's being carried by his dad in this cover. It looks like they were like walking on a beach and she's in the, like in the front of them. Like, so like I said, it looked like they're walking on the beach. Rihanna's in the front. Um, ASAP Rocky is holding the baby and he's like, you know, like maybe a step behind her. He's got his eyes on the baby boy. And the photo uh, kind of captures her looking right at the camera. Rocky isn't looking, if I can call him Rocky. Rocky isn't looking at the camera. He's looking at the baby. He's smiling. The baby's smiling. Um, everybody looks looking good. You know, it's a magazine cover. It's styled very well. Everybody looks nice, skin all healthy. Everybody been drinking their water or their water. You know, it's a, it's a good looking thing. But I keep pointing out that the cover is about her. The magazine cover is about her. The story is about her. So that she includes her partner in it, you know, all right, that's that's all well and fine. But um, some folk, um, men and women, have been having a whole field day with this, you know, saying that it's like emasculating him because he should be in the front because he's the leader of the family. Not that this article is primarily about her, though. She's the one that's the center of attention because she's she had this big Super Bowl performance. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just foolishness. Um, and I was listening to another podcast, uh, podcaster Demetria Lucas, and she was discussing it. 
um, across two episodes, I want to say, um, I had listened to her talk about it across two episodes. I think, I think I heard her talk about it across two episodes. Um, and then she quoted some other lady that whose take on it was really, really, um, head on, you know, right on the, you know, she hit the, the nail on the head when she was saying that, um, a lot of the criticism that she's seen men and not only men, some women too, but largely the criticism. And again, this is Demetria Lucas quoting someone else's post on social media, Twitter, I believe. And I can't remember who the other person was. But anyway, again, the criticism that this lady said that she's seen a lot of men um, lodge against this post, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of backwards because they accuse him of being weak because he's like, you know, he's the house husband, if you will. You know, he's in second place. He's the weaker vessel or whatever. And they have so much disdain and so much contempt for um, Rocky's positioning on this cover. And what the woman said is that's interesting because that's what men are always telling women that they want from them, that they want them to be, you know, you know, second place, um, housewife, you know, take down for me. But if you have so much contempt for this man who is occupying that spot, that is really telling. It's really telling. It's telling what you think of women in reality who, you know, occupy that spot too, that you have a lot of contempt for women who, um, you know, are, who, who do, do, who do play second, um, fiddle, you know, who do second place or whatever, you know, what is considered a quote woman's role in quote in a marriage or in a relationship. Because of course, nowadays, you know, a lot of women, um, you know, have taken that, that trope and like, you know, thrown it out the window and into the trash where it, I think rightfully belongs. Women should, should, and do, you know, pursue other interests outside the home. It's, there's nothing wrong with being a housewife, but if they want more, let them go get more. I mean, why not? I just, I don't get it. Um, but of course, for some men, and I keep trying to qualify that, for some men, that's not seen as attractive. A woman who's a, able to hold her own financially, intellectually, um, spiritually, you know, materially, uh, you know, all of the, in all of those realms, for some men, that's not, that's not, um, that's not what, uh, what men want. And it's, it's weird. Um, again, if they want a woman who is, you know, taking more of a traditional role, but then they think that, that that's contemptuous, like that's crazy to me. And whoever that lady is that Demetria Lucas post, um, quoted, she did that's, that's spot on. It's like, dang, if you hate Rocky for that, then is that how you really feel about women? Wow. I mean, it's, it's the thing that people say all the time, just say you hate women and let's keep it moving. <laughs> Cause that's, ridiculous. But I, I too found that to be like highly like stupid, like I said, for lack of a better term. It's just dumb. I mean, for what? For why? I don't know, whatever. You know, but kudos to them. Do you? I'm not going to even go into the whole, you know, they're not married thing because that's that's their relationship. These folks can buy and sell, you know, whatever they want to. I mean, I'm a teacher. That's that's what I do. They they making way more money and have way more ends. Do people still say that? Have way more ends to support their children, you know, than I do. Um, um, even combined with my husband, they they still making much more money than we are. And so, however they want to view their you know family life and family structure, that is up to them. I am not God, and I am not about to judge them. Um, they seem happy and settled. And what I will say is this, uh, Rocky, I was going to say ASAP, um, he seems pretty, pretty darn happy to be with her. Um, I can understand why, but you know, there's no, he's, he seems very supportive. Um, smiley. I've seen a couple of, uh, TikTok clips. Y'all, I jumped down the TikTok rabbit hole. Pray for me. Pray for me. 
Um, I've seen a couple of clips of him on TikTok and a couple other places where, you know, he's talking about, you know, how um, I'm summarizing here, you know, how enamored he is with her and, you know, happy he is and their relationship and things like that. And that's cool. I mean, because we see so much of, you know, relationships like imploding, if you will, especially public relationships. I Any relationship is hard. You know, coupling with anyone is tough. It's hard. Relationships, marriages, they're really, really hard at, at any age. I would um, suggest at any age, they're very difficult, but particularly those that are in the public eye, um, because there's so many different, you know, opinions being levied and um, rumors. Because remember a couple of months ago, it was rumored that he had, um, again, rumored that he had been unfaithful to her. And I forgot who the woman was that he was supposedly, he had supposedly been unfaithful to her with. And then that turned out to be like this hot, hot lie in so much as the lady, and I can't remember who it was, y'all, like she posted and was like, y'all, this is a hot garbage lie from the inner sanctum of hell. I ain't got nothing to do with these people. So um, yeah, I mean, you got that kind of stuff too. People will just make up stories and run with it. You know, you know, he cheated and the next thing you know, it's, you know, it's for the whole world to see. And then unfortunately, the advent of social media has really amplified and sped up that process for a lot of couples. You know, the, you know, the cycle in which they discover that one has been unfaithful and then everybody weighs in, you know, like when that happens in to us who live our lives offline, um, you know, then your friends may weigh in, right? Your, your girlfriends or your guy friends, you know, may weigh in like you need to dump her or you need girl, you need to break up with him or whatever. But that kind of, you know, if you live your life on social media then you got thousands, if not millions of people who weigh in, you know, on your social media posts and things like that, even old posts, you know, they don't care. They just want to, you know, put their little two cents in. And, um, so anyway, them trying to trying or succeeding actually in having a, a relationship and building a family. Um, hey, kudos to them. That's if that's what works for them, that's what works for them. I'm not poo-pooing marriage. I'm just saying if that's how they want to do it, that's how they want to do it. I mean, Oprah's been with Stedman for how many decades now? And them two ain't got married yet. And they ain't looking like they about to get married. And isn't Oprah in her 60s now? I'm pretty sure she is. Pretty sure she's in her 60s. But yeah, child. So kudos to them. And kudos to her uh, performance at the Super Bowl, like I said. And as a matter of fact, I need to go online and find me some Fenty makeup. I do like Fenty. And it was so funny because my student and I were talking about that yesterday. We're like, oh my God, I like that product. Like, oh my God, I like that product too. It was like really, really cool. Uh, some of the other topics that I have on my list um, to discuss are not as lightweight, unfortunately, as the Rihanna and ASAP Rocky um, situation. Um, hmm, what do I want to talk about next? Well, while we're talking about performance, let's let's go into this one. So uh, there's this prophetess, evangelist, apostle. I'm not sure what her um, title is. So yeah, Tiffany um, Montgomery, uh, I'm on her website now, uh, says that she uh, dropped out of college um, in parenthesis. It was a waste of money anyway, and began her entrepreneurial career in 2005, selling her self-published books and ultimately becoming an Essence Magazine best-selling author seven times. Now, she used to not be as uh, godly-minded. I'm going to put it like, I think, I think that's that's a good way to put it. I don't think she was as godly-minded as she is now when she first kind of, um, you know, hit the scene, if, if that's... If, if that's a fair thing. Um, but what had happened was um, a couple of weeks ago, 
um, there was a video of her, Tiffany Montgomery, in which um, she went viral, um, kind of like, not kind of, but but what had happened was a couple of weeks ago, a video with Tiffany Montgomery went viral in which um, she was like re rebuking folk for Christians in particular for supporting Jay-Z and Beyonce and like in particular for buying tickets, I guess, to go see Beyonce in concert. Unless you've been hiding under a rock somewhere, Beyonce's got a tour. Is it her, her Renaissance tour this summer? And folks have been trying some with success. Um, to get tickets to her um, tour. I know the problem is Ticketmaster and their pricing and registering and all this other kind of foolishness that's been going along with that. Um, and it's been driving people crazy. And it hasn't just been Beyonce's fans, but other um, artists too that uh, go through Ticketmaster for ticketing. And it's just been a whole nightmare for some folk. But anyway, I digress slightly. But anyway, so Tiffany Montgomery, a couple weeks ago, um, what had happened was, like I said, in the video, she... Um, was rebuking Christians for supporting Jay-Z and Beyonce. And she likened Beyonce's uh, beehive to a coven for witches. I, like I actually heard that part and I was like, wait, hold up, what? She says, quote, um, when a witch has a coven, it's normally a small thing. Witches covens are normally three to seven people. When it becomes thousands, it's called a hive. Y'all a part of that lady beehive and you call yourself a Christian? And she said, I continue quoting, may the dealings of the Lord come upon you. Sis, well, what exactly do you mean by that? I'm so sick of folk, church folk. Oh my God. I'm so sick of church folk pronouncing judgment and all kinds of negativity along those lines against other folk. Like seriously, what part of the Bible are y'all living in? My God. It's quite annoying. It's quite annoying. In addition to being like that in and of itself, I think is very unchristian like. Like, may the dealings of the Lord be upon you. Well, they will be. Thanks a lot. But I know that's not, I don't think, let me say it like this. I don't think that's necessarily what she meant by that. You know, the, the dealings of the Lord are going to be upon all of us, whether we like it or not. It's just how that's just how life is. If you know, now I know not everybody's a believer, but they're gonna we're gonna have to deal with whatever God deals with us, however God deals with us any old way. That's just the way it goes. But I don't think she meant it in that way. Again, the context in which she made that statement, you know, y'all call yourselves a part of that lady's be you, you know, you a part of that lady beehive and you call yourself a Christian, may the dealings of the Lord be upon you. That sounds more like kind of like a curse. And I I I I don't how don't know how that how can she differentiate herself from Beyonce, who she is kind of likening to being a witch, if that's what she's doing right here. She's using, you know, Christianity, Christian talk to kind of like speak a cursing, a cursing, Lord, to speak a curse or at least something negative um, on God's people. And again, I know the words themselves aren't necessarily negative, but the context in which they were taken, nah, nah. <laughs> Folk be tripping, y'all. Um and then a lot of people, I guess, came back after um, uh, Tiffany Montgomery and was saying how in you know previous posts, I guess, or uh, you know postings on Twitter or whatever tweets that you know she had actually been a, a Beyonce fan, and she came back at these folk and were saying you know in essence that was before I was saved and you know dipped in the blood and fire baptized and all this other kind of stuff, but now I know better, and I guess. Um, uh, in a statement, the New York Post had reached out to her, um, her and her reps for a comment, and 
what they've posted on their website is, quote, the message that I delivered under the, under the instruction of God at my event and to my audience was a warning to wake up and pay attention. Art creates. We as Christians and as believers have no business watching, listening to, supporting any artist who knowing draws from the occult to create. Her statement read, her music, her videos, her messaging is witchcraft, plain and simple. Had the message not been about one who many have given idol status to, no one would have, no one would have much to say. Yet here we are, and my position, which is God's position, still stands. We do not and should not give a pass to, nor do we support witchcraft influencing this generation, period. Um, in her statement to the Post, Montgomery noted that in her past, she was a fan. In her past, in quotation marks, she was, quote, a fan. Hence the tweets you shared in quote. Um, and again, um, back in 2010, I guess it was that. Um, and in 2014, she had uh, Tiffany Montgomery had, you know, gone to some concerts or them or she attended the Jay-Z and Beyonce concert in 2014 or whatever. And blah, blah, blah. But again, like I said, um, she claims that um, or she says she got saved in her shower in August 2015. So anything that you see tweeted before that was me being as blind as you are today is what she's added on to that. I'm sorry, I just smacked my lips like a good old black girl, right? From the south side of Chicago, because that's who I am. Um, I don't even know where to start with this or where to end with it, where to start or stop. I think it's I think it's an extreme take. We'll start there. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I well, I'll add this. I'm so like torn up, you know, over why we have to. I don't know, demonize. I think that's definitely what it is. Is it's the demonization of Beyonce, and I suppose artists like her, but definitely Beyonce specifically. Um, I'll add this to it. Um, on Super Bowl Sunday, Michelle Williams, who um, many of you know from Destiny's Child and uh, Illinoisan also, um, she's from the Rockford area. Um, she um, entered the chat and I think she posted something on, was it on Instagram? I know. And this is a quote in the New York Post from her her post. Um, she says, I'm watching, I am just watching a lot go a lot going on, things that are being said specifically about entertainers, specifically about entertainers that I have even that I even have relationships with entertainers that I know off the stage. Yeah, she posted this to Instagram. I just wish we would pray as publicly for entertainers as we rebuke them and damn their soul to hell. I know it ain't my calling mission to damn entertainers to hell and to say that they would drop dead. The devil is a lie. Um, I, I I don't know about the who said somebody would um, drop dead and go to hell or whatever, um, but I do I hear what she's saying and I feel what she's saying too in terms of you know maybe it's that may the dealings of the Lord be upon you kind of situation. And honestly, y'all, I I pulled something for um, to talk about to add to this particular discussion, and I can't remember. I didn't save it on my phone and I can't remember who posted it. Oh, it's probably unfit Christian. Wait a minute. Let me see if it's her. Do you follow her on Instagram? Um, wait, let me find her. Okay. I thought it was unfit Christian. Her real name is um, Danielle Thomas. She's good. Um, she likes to question um, and decolonize your faith. I think is one of her terms. 
that she uses. Maybe it was Candace Bimbo. Here's here's Candace Bimbo's take on it. Um, a, a theology student, N- not anymore. Um, she was working on a doctorate in theology. And um, if you read her book, you'll understand why she no longer is. But she has a master's in theology. Anyway, I'm reading from her post. I am an unapologetic member of the Beehive, so I know what I say gets written off as fandom. I'm also a scholar of race, religion, and gender, so I be knowing what I'm talking about, LOL. And I, when she, that was the beginning of it, I was like, preach, sis. Many, and I did have this in my phone, girl. Many black evangelicals, evangelical adjacents, call Beyonce, quote, demonic, end quote, because to black and Christian, to be black and Christian for them is to desire, knowingly or unknowingly, our religious identity and existence distant and apart from anything that culturally affirms blackness. It is because for many of them, Their understanding of what it means to be Christian is tethered to what it means to be white. And because they can't be white, they will do all they can to believe white. There is something very Western Eurocentric about the belief that one's spiritual identity has to embody formulaic expression. The idea that all Christians believe and have always believed the same thing about Jesus is simply not true. A cursory glance into church history shows that. A study of denominational polity within American Christendom shows that. An appreciation of global religious expression shows that. Amen. And an understanding of hermeneutical differences shows that. I mean, good grief. Like denominations alone, because that's where I, I was raised, like in a very strict, narrow um, narrowly drawn denomination who at the time, and I'm talking about the Church of God in Christ, who at the time, um, specifically, um, depending on where you lived, Kojic folk didn't um, fellowship with people who were non-Kojic. And I'm, and I know that very depending again on where you, and I, I'm saying this so that nobody jumped down my throat, but um, it depended on where you lived. And it also depended probably on the decade that you lived in where you, if you were being raised in the church of God in Christ, but where I was being raised in the church of God in Christ. Oh my God. We didn't believe that Baptist folk were saved. And now I don't believe that today. I'm just saying. As I tease, I tease about that. And I put that out there all the time because where I live here in Lexington, it's not heavily Kojic. It's not, it's heavily Baptist. And so I tease uh, my Baptist friends about that. And I hope they understand that I'm just teasing. And it, you know, it, it took a while, to be honest, to pull off a lot of that denominational teaching that, you know, only the Kojic shall see God because we didn't believe that other denominations were saved. Now, again, that's not what they currently teach. And so please, you know, don't, don't DM me on that. But anyway, I, I, I digress, but I had to put that out there because yeah, if you just if you just take a look at the way that denominations are set up and how they worship, everybody's understanding of Jesus and Christianity is totally different. Um, she goes on to say that Christians do not and have not always thought the same thing when it comes to our faith. Literally, I'm she's preaching to the choir right here. Obviously, to render that as demonic or a function of witchcraft is ill-informed at the very least and violently ignorant at best. It ignores and disregards rich, vibrant, vibrant, substantive traditions and practices within the lives and cultures of people for centuries. The idea that you have to, quote, agree, end quote, with it. And if you don't, then it's demonic. is such a myopic and uneducated position to take. Ain't you right, girl? It robs you and others of a deep appreciation of the vast ways God has moved in and through time. You don't have to agree. Its existence, thankfully, doesn't necessitate that. 
and be very clear. It's for this reason that the brute force is always wielded as harshly as possible against black women. And here, if she hadn't already stuck the dagger in, this is where she twisted the bad boy. Because where has this prophetic sound been when other artists, entertainers, etc., have shown their collective, I'm going to say what she said, y'all, collective arses in actual demonic witchcrafty ways. Ain't nobody who listens to and reads white men wax poetic about God got the right to call a black woman's faith expression demonic. I don't care if you're a black woman yourself. The audacity when you laid up with the very ones who won't let you be free. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Um, that pretty much wraps it up <laughs> for she said what I what I was thinking. I mean, and obviously a little bit more um eloquently than I. Um, she's she's definitely, you know, the expert in the field. And I'm talking about in theology and the study thereof. Um, you know, she she know what she like she said at the beginning, she know what she be talking about. LOL. She ain't lying, though. She that's that's how we have to do too, though, you know, like. To say, well, you know, I really am an expert in the field. You know, she's a scholar of race, religion, and gender. She does. She knows what he, she's talking about. Again, you got to get her book, um, Red Lip Theology. But again, you know, and someone else, it was her, and I know it was someone else, and I guess it wasn't um, Unfit Christian on um, Instagram, but someone else put it um, put it out there in the same kind of way too. It's interesting how we're jumping all over Black women because that's who that's who the attack is on. Um, especially with with regard to being in the beehive, you know, Beyonce fans. Um, Tiffany Montgomery is black. So the attack is on other black women for supporting Beyonce, who is, and I guess it wasn't Candace Minbar. I wish I had taken a picture of that, but who was who they were saying um Beyonce is like, you know, exploring her spirituality, exploring, you know, other um more uh Afrocentric, you know, ideas of religion and things like that, and singing about it and putting it in her music, you know, and so why do we get to demonize that exploration? You know, who and who are you to call her a witch and the people that follow her a coven? Like, that's really, it is, it's harsh. Um, and again, because as Candace Bimbo, you know, points out again, so eloquently, it's because these other folk that are criticizers are you know, take their cues from a more Eurocentric view of Christianity. So of course you're going to, um, harshly critique, you know, something that is not Eurocentric and something that does not center, you know, your type of thinking. Cause that's really what it is. Like if I, if it's not what I believe and what I walk to is, if it's not the beat of the drum that I'm walking to, then it's gotta be wrong. And as I said, a few moments ago, that's how a lot of, um, denominations do think as, and again, as I pointed out the denomination that I grew up in, that was how they viewed. If it wasn't, you know, cut like this, if it doesn't look like this, if you don't dress like this, if you don't think like this, if you don't speak like this, then you must be worldly. And I, I've seen a couple of clips about that too. Some um, leaders of the Church of God in Christ who have, you know, gone on to meet their maker have said, you know, holiness has a look and holiness has a sound. So apparently if you didn't have this particular sound or if you didn't have this particular look, then you weren't holy. Now in 2023, I don't buy that. I, I, I just don't. I don't. Um, you know, it's because looks and sounds can be deceiving. And we'll just drop the mic right there. I just preached a whole message and you can um, cash at me my offering at the end. 
Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to the next topic here. Um, God bless. We're going to hear from the choir real quick and pull up, pull back up in just a moment. Okay. Apparently the choir is not ready um, for a quick number. Um, can the musicians play us a little bit of, um, I don't know what, um, commercial music? Is that what we're asking for right now? Can other musicians here? No. Did they walk out again? Uh, these musicians just don't want to do right. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> too, too soon? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, anyway, that takes me into the, <laughs> I did my own skit with just me, a one woman show. Um, that takes me to my next topic uh, that I wanted to discuss, something that I wrote down. It just happened to uh, recently, uh, within the last week or so, another <sighs> woman of God um, went viral. Her name is uh, Dr. Monique Hall. And uh, she was at a church. Uh, she was ministering at a church recently. And um, I did see the clip. I did not watch her entire um, message, but I guess she was supposed to be the speaker of the evening or the speaker of the hour. That's how that's how we do it. The speaker of the hour, speaker of the hour. Um, yeah, so Dr. Uh, Prophet, um, Apostle, whatever her title is, Monique Hall. Um, so in this particular video clip, uh, she was uh, asking the a keyboard player to play something. And I think the musicians had gone out and um, when they came back in, she was asking the keyboard player to play something. And it wasn't like, it was an odd spot in the service, I guess. Well, it seemed odd. Again, I didn't, I hadn't watched the whole thing. So I just really get this limited context. Um, and uh, she asked the drummer to play who um, happened to be, I think a teenager, he was a teenager and he didn't, and so she went into this whole full-on rebuke about um, musicians not wanting to be saved or something along those lines. Now, I will say this, um, as a, a, a church girl, honey, I have seen this played out, unfortunately, a million billion times um, to the point where I used to think that, you know, these musicians, all they're doing is going out there. And I would tease them. I'd be like, y'all going out on a smoke break? Is that what y'all doing? <laughs> So what what would typically happen is after after you got the whole morning you know morning part of the service you know like the early is what I mean the early part of the service you know you got the, you know everybody then shouted and the choir and sang fifty thousand songs and the praise team and sang ninety seven thousand eleven songs and then when the pastor gets up and there might be some little mood music for that but then when he you know goes into his preaching and he's musicians may take a break they may go in the hallway they may have to, you know to stretch their legs you know take some get a water break literally go to the bathroom but they have operated the whole beginning of the service. Um, or however long it is, you know, that, and that could vary in length. You know, if you've ever been to a black church, some of our services, ooh, Lord, they ain't like the Catholic church one and done. No, we be in there for a minute. And so they've, they've been up for a while. So they do need a break. But like I said, the way that I grew up, you know, if the, if the organist or the drummer got up off the instruments, oh my God, the pastor would have a, a baby cow, you know, and go through this whole full on rebuke to the point where, you know, it was, it was again, demonizing, you know, here we go. Another, some other folks, um, in the church as if they're not serving is as if they don't need a break. I used to kind of hate that too. Cause, um, I remember singing in the choir and, um, when we finished singing, um, in the, uh, choir stand and some of the churches that I went to uh, growing up, the choir didn't stay in the choir stand for the whole service. They would they would um, go down and take seats in the audience to listen to the to the you know to the word to the, the sermon. 
But if you went out and, you know, if you went to the bathroom or went to get some water or something, oh my God, you were definitely on your way, you know, to an early grave and to a devil's hell. And it was like, are you kidding me? And again, if you know anything about black churches and you know how long they can go, if you are part of the music ministry, you can be up there for a while. And I remember particularly and specifically a praise team that I used to sing on. And we could literally be singing for about a half hour, 45 minutes on a good Sunday morning, then turn around and sing a couple songs as the choir and then it had like i'm hot <laughs> it's hot it's uncomfortable up here it's it's difficult to be up here in this choir stand and then you know the advent of recording and you know broadcasting and so you had to have a happy face on and be engaged and you you were sweating buckets after you didn't sing and turn flips and did a whole concert on a sunday morning i digress so anyway i'm going to read this lady's apology that she posted this platform that the lord has blessed me with is very dear to my heart and I don't take it for granted. Did I tell you exactly what happened? I think I did, right? I told you, you know, she kind of blasted the drummer for not playing and told him to get up. Oh, and at the end of it, she was like, you got like 48 hours to repent or something like that. I was like, what? Whatever had happened up until that point did not necessitate that. So anyway, here's her apology. This platform that the Lord has blessed me with is very dear to my heart and I don't take it for granted or take things lightly when lives are at hand. I'm humbly grateful for all my family, friends, and community and supporters. Community and supporters. On February 19th, 2023, I had a speaking engagement at New Creation Christian Center in the absence of Pastor Danielle Williams McCord. And a situation took place where I rebuked the drummer for refusing to play and informing him that he had 48 hours to repent for disobedience. For the past couple of days, after seeking godly counsel and prayer, this has influenced my decision to sincerely apologize publicly is that it was not meant as a curse, but more of an open rebuke for disobedience and serving. This was my intention and I humbly, sorry, this was not my intention. Now I humbly apologize for how it was interpreted to be a word curse. So at this time, I publicly apologize to Josiah, I guess that's the drummer, his family, the Radical Nation Church family, and the thousands of people this that this has affected, including Blueprint Church. I love each and every single one of you and may God bless you with agape love, Dr. Monique Hall. Um, now, of course, you know, a lot of people in the comments were like, oh, she apologized. God bless. All right. We need to not hold, you know, grudges against people in the body of Christ, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, a lot of people, too, and I think rightfully, say, rightfully so, I was like, this is not it. How many times we got to post that meme of what, you know, the, the elements of an apology should look like? You know what the you know what it should what it should be. You take accountability for your actions. You say you sorry. That's it. Not and leave if out of it, please. For the love of almond butter from Trader Joe's, leave the if out of it. I mean, good grief. Now in this this situation, she literally says a situation took place where I rebuked the drummer. I heard Larry Reed from Larry Reed Live say, I think rightfully so, also accurately, that she's not taking accountability for the situation that she created. A situation occurred. No, sis, you did that. You created the situation, you know, where she rebuked the drummer. A situation took place. No, you you could have left that those couple of words out. I rebuked the drummer and for refusing to play and informed that he had 48 hours to repent for disobedience. Like, so what was going to happen if he didn't diso if he didn't um, repent, you know, may the dealings of the Lord be upon you. Was she going to use Tiffany Montgomery's line? You know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit mad, I'm a little bit, a little bit torn off 
with these women prophetesses and apostolesses and all this other kind of stuff. Like seriously, women of God, um, what are we doing? And, and what empowers them to speak in such a way to other members of quote, the body of Christ, end quote. I think that's my biggest problem here. Um, you know, here's another black woman, um, you know, preacher representative of God, you know, and her apology is kind of crappy. I mean, honestly, it is, you know, because after she says, you know, that the situation that, you know, occurred where she, you know, told him he had 48 hours to repent. Um, then she says for the past couple of days, comma, after seeking godly counsel and prayer, comma, this is my, this has influenced my de decision to sincerely apologize publicly. Girl, what? You, you gave way too many words to just say, I'm sorry. So like in the end of this, when she says, I humbly apologize, that's where you should have went straight to that. Like, I, you know how those people like re reposted and they edited in here. I fixed it up for you. Like this way too many words to just literally say, I was wrong. I spoke out of turn. I'm sorry. I apologize to Josiah and everybody else. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Everybody, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Why you got to go through all of this? as my mama would say, I got to go through all this rigmarole to really get to the heart of this, which is to apologize. Like I, so for me, it's a, it's a no dog. <laughs> I haven't yet talked about this with my bestie yet. I wonder, girl, tell me what you think it is. I'm telling you through the podcast anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's too much. Like you, you messed up, you spoke out of turn, you rebuked the drummer and oh my God, musicians all over the place. Um, were saying like, gosh, I've experienced this so many times. Like what was he supposed to play? And you, if you really want to get a better context for better than the way I'm describing it. And I apologize for that. Then yeah, just go, just go look up the uh, video again. Her name is Monique, uh, Hall. But it wasn't it wasn't like there was music. It wasn't, you know, how in the black church, you know, they play, you know, upbeat music for the offering so people can, you know, march around and, you know, whatever the music is. You know, they don't want no slow and go music for the offering. They want something upbeat and lively. It wasn't that part of the service. Like, was he supposed to somebody said make some sizzles? <laughs> is that what the technical term is on the symbols? Was he supposed to sizzle the symbols? I didn't know what she wanted him to play either. I'm not a musician and I'm still, and you know, I'm a singer, but I'm like totally confused. What did you want him to do? Like the keyboard player wasn't playing anything like that. It was just, it was a weird situation in terms of what she wanted in that moment. And because he didn't give her what she wanted, she like went from zero to 60, like, sis, what are you talking about? And again, this apology on the back end of it, it's really not, it is an apology, but it's a poorly written poorly crafted apology. Here's my other take on this. I've seen this happen like way too often in the gospel world now, in the Christian world where, and God, please, please, Jesus, help me not to get caught up in this situation. Oh my God. I hope I, I've, I'm learning from this because if this is where what I need to learn, God, please help me to govern myself accordingly. The point I'm trying to make is this. I've seen this happen a couple of times like, you know, kind of go viral in our world, right? In the gospel world, in the black church world. I've seen this happen where people have messed up, said the wrong thing publicly, and that kind of situation has occurred. And instead of just getting right to the apology, they they almost, like they sidestep it and, you know, almost like they're trying to run a ball in, you know, I'm using a football analogy to tie this back to Rihanna in the Super Bowl, you know, like they're the receiver and they're trying to make it to the end zone. And so they're trying to dodge all of the defenders, um, you know, that are coming after them or whatever. And it's just 
Like you trying to get from point A to point B. And I get it. If you're running down a football field and there's, you know, a whole bunch of people trying to tackle you, then you're going to move and try to get out of the way. You're going to stiff arm them and you're going to spin and hurdle and all this other kind of stuff. But that's not what the elements of an apology, the anatomy of apology should look like. That's not what it should be. Like you're trying to step your, you know, culpability and I did this and I had to seek godly counsel and figure out what I had did wrong. And I went to the Isle of Patmos and all this other kind of stuff. What's that? What is that line in Marvin Wine's song? It's so oh so oh there was a time I needed to get away. So I went to Gary, Indiana for about five days. <laughs> is that what you had to do to figure out that you had done wrong? Really? Okay. So one, two people telling you, sis, you was wrong, but you had to go under, you know, sackcloth and ashes and, you know, sit and get three of your friends to come and tell you, Job, man, you messed up. I'm over that kind of thing. And my point is like, church folks should know better. Christians should know better. We, we should apologize better. We should do better. When we wrong someone, apologize for it. I don't, the, what this looks like is that folks are too deep and holy to admit that they mess up. We're still human. We are not divine creatures. We are not God. And because we wear humanity and we are human, you know, is it, is it Shakespeare to err is human to forgive is divine? Is, is that Shakespeare? I don't know. But to err is, is human, E-R-R. Listen, you gotta, you just gotta own up to that. We mess up. And again, like I said, I don't know, maybe I need to take this moment on the podcast to apologize to any and everyone that I have offended in my lifetime. I ain't gonna, I ain't putting no if in there. I've done it. I know I have, cause I'm human. I've messed up. Woo. And some of the things that I have said to folk over the years, um, even my disposition, my demeanor, my orientation, my mannerisms, if not, if see, I think maybe it's human to put that if in there. Anyway, if it, there it goes again, dang it. Any of those ways, what I'm trying to say is not if I've offended you, but if you are in this category of people that I've heard, this apology goes out to you because if you are one of the ones you're hearing this and you're like, oh, Donna did me wrong. I'm apologizing to you. My bad, sis. My bad, bruh. I messed up. This apology is for everybody that I have offended, that I have wronged, um, but not my brother because he keeps claiming that I stole a dollar off his dresser when we were kids. And I even gave him a dollar a couple years ago um, at a funeral of another family member. That's a conversation for another day. But I gave him a dollar. It's like, bruh, I did not steal from you, but here's your dollar. Here's a dollar. Like, can we squash this beef? But he still claims. And he's even told my daughter. I stole his dress. I'm not apologizing to him. This is not for you. <laughs> but anybody else in this category, I did you wrong. I'm apologizing for future reference. <laughs> when, not if, when I mess up in the future, refer back to this episode of the Vast Podcast with me, your host, Donna Gay Tyler. Woo, I've done a lot of laughing, a lot of giggling on this episode. I hope that I have entertained you. <laughs> with my football analogies and all that other kind of stuff. Gosh, we got to, we really got to do better with each other though, particularly those of us who claim to be believers in Christ and, you know, church folk and all of that kind of stuff. Saints, we, we really need to do a little bit better by each other. But in the meantime, <laughs> thanks for stopping by y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, Again, you can follow me on all uh, social media platforms. I am the Donna Gay Tyler. And as I mentioned a couple of moments ago, I did. I jumped down the TikTok rabbit hole. Ah, I actually created a TikTok for, um, we were doing a, a spirit day at my school, a couple of, spirit week rather at my 
school a couple of weeks ago, and the last day of Spirit Week was dress like a student or dress like a teacher. So you can, you know, infer what that means. Obviously, you know, students were supposed to dress like teachers, and teachers were supposed to dress like students. And that was my first TikTok. I made a video clip of me um, behaving, dressed like a student and behaving like a student. I told them I was going to do it. I told the boys, I'm going to sag my pants just like y'all do. But I got shorts on underneath. No one wants to see that. Ew. Anyway, so yeah, I'm on TikTok now, y'all. So you can follow me there. I've not posted a lot. I think I got three total videos up, but one that I actually made. The other two are reposts. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. The, the Donna Gay Tyler. Feel free to weigh in. And if you are, have enjoyed what your ears have heard, if your heart did burn within you, um, feel free to leave me some um, feedback, uh, comments. Um, we like five stars around here. I heard another podcaster say that. We like five stars, five-star reviews. Yes, 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 indeed. So go ahead, wherever you catch this podcast, leave me a positive review. Keep your negativity to yourself. We trying to live in peace in this part of the world. Amen. Amen. In the meantime, friends, stay classy. Apologize when you're wrong. You got that? And thanks for stopping by.